Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Okay, so we are ready to go. Thank you for joining me again on the Tuesday evening or afternoon or morning. I know we're a little bit international as well. Um, I'm very grateful for you giving up your time and for reading the book. <laughs> I know it was a bit of a, maybe, maybe not intense. I don't think maybe it was intense. I think the title sounds a bit intense, but I think fundamentally we're talking about things that are still important for people in everyday life. And there's certainly things that I see in clinic. Uh, and I think it's really important that we have important conversations and not just easy, boring Instagram quote conversations. Maybe, you know, we should have deeper, more important conversations about how to live life. And that's what the book club is all about. I'm going to start with just a couple of the things, a couple of observations from the book that I particularly like. But of course, you guys are welcome to jump in whenever and um, and let me know your thoughts. I'm just going to turn this microphone down a tad because I think the audio is going to be a bit nuts instead. Um, yeah, so at any point, you can wave and ask a question or make a comment or an observation. Of course, if you have any comments now, I'm happy to take them. Otherwise, I will just get going. So yeah, let me know what you thought of the book in a moment. But I did make a couple of notes. And I guess the point of using a, a book that's or an essay that's 2000 years old it's really to demonstrate how little the human nature really has changed when we think about some of the issues that Seneca was talking about right so he's he's talking about how to manage uh your time he's talking about how to get meaning out of your life he's talking about how we're so anxious about living our lives now that we put things off for years and years and years and years until retirement by which point perhaps we've lost the best years or the, the most energy that we might have to live the lives that we want to live. And I think that's one of the, the big things I would like you to take away, if there's anything I want you to take away, is the idea that despite our differences and despite where we live and our technological advances, the core tenets of human psychology, the parts of our lives that are associated with our ambitions, our fears, our anxieties, our desires, our relationships, haven't really changed that much in well at least 2000 years and probably not much over the years before then as well so I guess that was my my first point was really how little human nature has changed and 
that therefore we can still gain quite a bit from this book. And I don't know which versions you guys have. I've got this Penguin version, which is the one that you will have seen posted on my Instagram. Um, so if you've got this version, it's on page four that I wanted to make my first point. And that's where he says, uh, since you showed them, not because you wanted someone else's company, but because you could not bear your own. And that's really, really, really crucial psychologically. And one, Blaise Pascal, one of the kind of theories that comes up quite a lot in psychology is the idea that, and, and the, the quote is something like, all of humanity's problems stem from man's inability to be in a room by himself. And, and really that's about understanding how difficult we find it to be in our own company. And you can see that everywhere around you. Like uh, So many people avoid the quietness of their own mind. So as soon as you get on the tube, headphones in or phone out, newspaper out, something. There's always something that's taking up your time, taking up your attention. No one's ever just kind of sitting quietly by themselves. Uh, I certainly have had people who have music with them constantly. They hate the idea of not having something playing in their ears, maybe immediately as they leave the session or on their way into the session. I remember asking someone once about, because obviously psychologists, therapists are interested in what's happening in your mind. And I, I asked somebody, you know, what is it like, what, what things come up in your mind when you're not doing anything? And this person kind of gave me a perplexed look and it just hadn't occurred to them to not always be doing something. So there's something about this constant activity, this constant uh, frenetic movement. And certainly psychologically, we're very interested in that. And we're very interested in people who can't stay still. We're very interested in people who have to always have a distraction, always have to have music playing, always have to be doing something because there's possibly something that they're distracting themselves from. There's possibly something that all of this activity, all of this behavior helps them to not experience, to not think about, to not feel. And, and obviously as a psychologist, that's something that I'm very, very interested in. So I thought that first observation was really, really interesting, really important. So the idea that you can't bear your own company. And again, that's one of the things that can trip people up because it can end up being the thing that pushes you to, yeah, so we've got someone saying, yep, have to keep moving, walking, cleaning, on the go, exactly. Um, it's one of the things that can push you into, for example, staying in bad relationships. You know, I'd rather be with someone, even if they're not amazing, even if it's maybe dysfunctional or just not working as well as it could, than be by myself. I need to have constant contact. Uh, I need to have someone nearby. I just need to have access to someone or something because I don't want to be just with myself, by myself, on my own. And and I guess that I want to make the, the differentiation between loneliness and being alone, right? So loneliness is a problem. Loneliness is an issue. But there's something important about being able to tolerate your own company to be by yourself, to be with the quietness of your own mind. And I think that observation is a really interesting one. It certainly spoke to me as a clinician. Um, I don't know if you guys had any other thoughts about that. I will wait for you to let me know. But in the meantime, 
I also wanted to get your opinions about, again, in my version, it's on page five, where he says, you act like mortals in all that you fear and like immortals in all that you desire. And I, first of all, it's just, it's so clever and it's such a good way of putting it, right? And I think the idea behind that is that you act as if, you know, you live your life putting things off forever and ever, amen, as if you've got all the time in the world. You live your life as if the days are never going to end and you've got endless days, endless opportunities to do the things that you deeply desire to want to do. And actually, the whole point of this essay is to, I think, and the whole point of stoicism is to remind people that, you know, not in a depressing way, but in a realistic way, is to remind people that we don't have all the time in the world and that we do have to maximize and make the most of and, and treasure in that sense the the time that we do have. I'm just gonna take a question. How can I tell if I'm choosing to be alone because it will help me recharge or if I'm just trying to isolate myself from others? That is an excellent question. And partly that's going to be about how it feels afterwards. Right. So there's you're you're looking for your own feedback on your own intuition. So if you take some time and you, you know, you're by yourself, you take the day, you take the afternoon, then and you come back feeling clearer, a bit more kind of focused, grounded, settled in yourself and ready to relate to other people that would make that would tell me that would suggest to me actually what you were doing is just recharging taking a little break recovering yourself taking back for yourself the things that you need whereas isolation a kind of more kind of hostile or kind of pathological isolation would be more something that leads you to feel or reinforces an, a negative feeling that's already there right so if you're because quite often when you isolate yourself like that, it's it's a kind of self-punishment. I don't deserve to be with other people. People don't really want to be with me. I don't really believe that people enjoy my company. No one's really going to miss me. And it can be a reinforcement of those sorts of feelings. So I think it's, it's a great question and we could go a little bit deeper. I'd probably want to ask you a few more questions about that. But I would say it would be about the sense that you come out of that separation with. You know, when you do you feel more ready to engage in the world or do you feel actually a little bit more separated from it? Do you feel like there's more distance than there was previously? So it's always about being curious and kind of tapping in to your own thinking, to your own kind of sense of intuition. Thank you. That was a great question. And he and interestingly for Seneca, because uh, he was quite a wealthy philosopher you know he had his own money but he speaks a lot about fears and poverty thank you very much and and one of the the stoic philosophies is about practicing for the worst case scenario right so in terms of what he says you know with the, the things that we fear most people will fear loss of status or they will fear um yeah loss of esteem of your peers loss of your position in society, your position in work, you know, whatever it might be. And so many of our behaviours are geared around 
avoiding those losses rather than the things that we do want, right? Does that make sense? So instead of focusing on, well, here's what I want to achieve in my life, we focus instead of, well, here's what I want to avoid being seen as. Here's what I don't want to be. I'm going to throw all my energy over here into the things that I'm frightened of rather than focusing my energy and my time and investing in the things that I'm excited about or ambitious for. And one of the stoic practices is to prepare for the worst. So one of the things that they would do, for example, is if you're afraid of being poor or of being seen as silly or ridiculous or foolish is that you would practice that. So you would practice living on very little money for that week, or you would practice going out into the street in a ridiculous outfit, you know, just the most clownish thing that you could find. And the idea is that it inoculates you against that fear. Like once you go out and you're dressed like a buffoon and maybe people laugh at you, most of the time people don't care. Most of the time people are so preoccupied with what's happening in their own minds, their own anxiety, their own worries, that they're not even thinking about you. But you practice that and you get inoculated to that and and that builds your confidence that actually I can follow my own path. I can do what I want to do. I can be who and, and what I want to be without putting so much emphasis on other people's opinions, other people's ideas, other people's expectations and other people's goals for me. And I think that's one of the reasons I really wanted to do this essay is because I really what I see a lot of, and I think particularly, I guess, I'm going to say millennials, but, you know, kind of mid thirties and under, and particularly people who live in London or busy cities is this like constant rat race. I'm, I have to go, I have to do this. I have to do this. I need more. I need to be doing my 6am spin class. I need to be having my green juice. Should I be vegan or maybe I should be paleo? And you know, what job should I have and what friends should I have? And should I be con- like constantly collecting evidence and recording evidence of how great my life is you know this constant treadmill and so much of that is about our concerns about status and our concerns about how we're appearing and how we compare to the people around us but it's also pointless like it's not going to get you anywhere it's going to make you tired (laughs) and it's going to make you a lot like everybody else you know everybody's doing the same thing you try so hard to fit in that you forget actually who you are and and what you stand for. And I guess part of the philosophy, part of the idea is that you inoculate yourself against other people's judgments so that you get a clearer sense of who you are. And I'm just going to take this question. I like stoicism, but I feel that reading Seneca and other stoics uh, about life's frailty can sometimes feed my anxiety about making the right choices with my time um, and not help me focus. Okay, so it can kind of, so this, the question is kind of reading about the possibility that I'm wasting time can feed my anxiety that maybe I am wasting time. And I think that's fair. I think I certainly had uh, one person write to me who said, great, now, <laughs> now I need to get my life together. I need to sort things out and I need to, you know, make a change. And, and I think possibly I did too. Maybe the reason that I thought this book was so important was I think these little things are good reminders for us. What I would say to that question that statement really is that it would be good for you to hold what we call the dialectic and the dialectic is really about holding a paradox so 
the paradox in this situation would be, okay, so I maybe I feel like I have wasted a bit of time or maybe I feel like I've been too focused on other things. Maybe I do need to change, but this is where I am now. This is my starting point. I can't change what's happened before. I can't shift it. I can't make it go away. I can't wish it out of existence. This is where I am and I need to change. So holding a dialectic is about not either or, but both and. I both need to change and this is where I am now. This is my starting point. So what can I do now? So I think if you get kind of thrown into anxiety by some of these readings, it would be more because you're focusing on... (gasps) this is what I need to do. This is what I need to fix. This is how I need to change. And I would encourage you to kind of grab hold of the other part of that paradox, the other part of that dialectic, which is, oh, but you know what? This is where I am now. This is where, this is my starting point. What is it reasonable for me to try to achieve from this position? Yeah. So hopefully that has helped. So I had another Yes. Um, I had another point on page 11 of my version. I feel like I'm back in, I did English lit at school. (laughs) I feel like I'm back in uh, my English lit classes, uh, which is no bad thing. I love English lit. So, oh yes, this I thought was really lovely. So you must not think a man has lived long because he has white hair and wrinkles. He has not lived long, just existed long. Right. So um, he's really bringing up the difference between living and existing. And I really, 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 really want to kind of push this idea home. And again, that's because a lot of what I see in that, and that's not just in clinic, it's also just in the world. I think you don't have to look far to see evidence of this is people just getting by like I'm just existing I'm just doing the things I have to do I'm just going through the motions I'm just I'm doing what's expected none of this is particularly enthralling for me it's not particularly meaningful I'm not you know all of that stuff and but they're not living and and I'm not talking about you know quitting your job and going around the world but having something that lights you up a little bit something that you really care about that feels meaningful and it and it really doesn't have to be huge it can be taking care of your pot plants it can you know or learning the names of you know the, the biological names of your plants or it could be taking care of your family or you know whatever it might be it doesn't have to be huge but it's so so important in terms of a sense of satisfaction in terms in terms of kind of longevity and well-being that sense of purpose and that sense of uh, connection with something meaningful and important for you Um, and I think that's what uh, Seneca's the point he's making there is that you know just because someone is very old doesn't mean they've actually been living all of those years they might have just been existing they might just have been getting by and we we shouldn't necessarily envy that what we should and I guess some of this feels a bit idealistic, but I sometimes ideals are important. What we should be trying to think of in some way is to have something meaningful for us and a sense of purpose. Just going to scroll back to have a look at a question. How to focus on things you enjoy whilst also meeting needs of capitalism. Um, 
working to live. Yeah, sure. How would you encourage patients to find a balance between those necessities and enjoying time? And I think it's exactly that. So again, I'd be thinking about thinking about the dialectic so yes there are givens there are limitations this isn't about saying we live in an ideal world where everybody's free to go and pursue artistic endeavors and all of the joys of life you know there are limitations about about your income or where you live or your race your you know anything um but there we're not talking about a huge overhaul we're not talking about the need to shift the entire world. We're really just thinking about what do I really care about? You know, if, if, and, and as a kind of thought experiment, if money were not an issue, if, you know, fulfilling these needs were not an issue, what's, what are the things that I care about most? And how can I bring maybe just even a tiny piece of that into my life? Right. So, I don't know. One of the things I do with clients is um, a values card sort. So, um, and this is particularly for people who come in perhaps with a sense of dissatisfaction. No, actually, maybe their lives objectively from the outside are fine. Maybe they're earning very well. They have a very safe job. They've got, you know, good relationships around them, but there's something that's just not clicking. There's something that's quite unsatisfying for them. Unsatisfying? Yeah. And usually that's because they've become disconnected from something that feels truly meaningful for them and they're just going through the motions and particularly the motions of an external view of success you know what is success well it means having this much money it means going on these holidays it means having this size of house and actually no one ever we all talk about or we kind of have a sense that we have values but no one ever sits down and stops to think about what their values actually are and so um, I will do this exercise with people and I will and I've done it myself and I you will sit people down and we will go through hey these are the top 10 most important things to me and again none of them need to be grand some of them are things like family or humor I like seeing the funny side of life and that's something that brings pleasure to me and then we might think about well, okay how is that expressed in your life? How often do you laugh? How often do you sit around with friends and just, you know, talk shit and <laughs> have a laugh, right? Or is it something you want to pursue in some other way? You know, do you want to do, I don't know, a stand-up night? You know, whatever it might be, understand what your values are and see where you can bring those into your life. Would you guys like me to send you that exercise? Because I can do that. It's yeah, maybe I'll do that. I'll see. So I think it's really important. I think understanding your values is actually just a really important exercise for everyone. Um, so you can understand where you kind of sit with all of that stuff. Okay, fantastic. So I'll do that and I'll, um, I'll, pro- I'll do a post on it. I'm just going back to read another question. How do you feel comfortable doing what you love when it conflicts with messages you've internalized from childhood? Ooh, yes. All right. Um, and maybe still believe so e.g. cultural attitudes religion yes this is a big one particularly and I think in my experience the conflict between innate value or innate passions innate purpose and external values is stronger in honorific cultures so where there's a, a, a greater cultural sense of duty of being on a bound, of not bringing shame, 
onto the family of risk, you know, respecting your parents. So from, from one perspective, I come from quite a, you know, a very kind of European um, individualistic perspective and, and the psychology that I practice probably is that. And I think particularly if you've either had culturally or within the culture of your own family, this sense that what's most important is the well-being or the honour of the family or the group, it can be incredibly, incredibly difficult. And particularly, you know, and let's be honest, particularly if it comes with the risk of rejection or hostility or some sort of negative reaction from those around you if you want to pursue the things that you want to do. I don't think there is a an easy answer for that because it will be balanced on actually how much freedom do you actually have and I would never encourage anybody to do something which will actually be harmful for them in the long run but I guess my my suggestion would be about really interrogating the boundaries like you know not pushing them too far but interrogating you know what you do have the freedom to do because actually it, it might just be about working out finding a way in which you can be more, and I hate to use the word because it's been killed on Instagram, being more authentically you within within the realities of your, your experience. And so I do that quite often if we're talking about work issues, right? So if someone is in a job and there's no option for them, you know, it's not making them happy, but there's no, there honestly is no option for them to leave it. How can we modulate their work environment or their attitude to their work or some aspect of their work to make it more satisfying so again that might not mean changing everything it might just mean really looking down at each piece and seeing where you do have power to shift or modify it a little bit usually you know and I won't say this works for everybody but usually we have a little bit more power than we think we do quite often we fall into the habit of thinking we're powerless we fall into the habit of thinking that there's nothing that we can do and actually even if it's having a conversation with your boss or having in you know in this uh, example having a conversation with a parent or a sibling or an elder or a religious leader you know usually there's a little bit of give and that that little bit of autonomy can do an enormous amount um i hope that's okay as an answer i will shuffle on i've written page 13 what was i saying on page 13 oh i've underlined a massive section one size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes nice dress uh it's a it's a t-shirt until you tried it on same goes for your health care that's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" 
So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. All right, this might be the um, this might be the juicy one um, that we get into. So he says, but putting things off is the biggest waste of life. It snatches away each day as it comes and denies us the present by promising the future. The greatest obstacle to living is expectancy. You're arranging what lies in fortune's control and abandoning what lies in yours. so uh, I'm very happy to hear your thoughts on that section but I really really I think I really resonated with this idea Um, putting off things is the biggest waste of life it snatches away every day as it comes and denies us the present by promising us the future so the idea that let's say Let's say you've got a relationship in your life that isn't working out. So you've got a friend who maybe isn't such a good friend or the relationship's gone a bit dodgy and you know, you know, you need to fix it. You know, you need to shift it in some way, update it, change it, shift the dynamics, shift the status and the power of it. But maybe, maybe not today, maybe Maybe we'll do it next week or maybe we'll do it the next time that we see them. Maybe, right? Um, So this idea of putting it off and snatching away each day as it comes. So this idea that actually putting that conversation off denies you peace in the present. It stops you from feeling relaxed in the present. It means that somewhere in the back of your mind, there's always that little bit of anxiety ticking over about that thing you need to do, the thing you need to sort out, the conversation you need to have, the anxiety about how it's going to go, will they handle it, what their reaction is going to be like, what are we going to, you know, what will the friendship look like afterwards? And so instead of having the conversation and facing that reality, you know, as awkward as it might be, it's really important. So instead of having that conversation and facing that reality, you delay, you delay, 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 and you end up in this kind of purgatory where you're not quite happy, but not really doing anything and nothing's really shifted. And what that does, this this passage suggests, is that it denies you peace, right? It denies you the freedom to put whatever that conversation is and whatever outcome it is, positive or negative, it denies you the opportunity to put that to bed and carry on with the rest of your life, right? So you have that conversation, maybe it all blows up. Okay, it's all blown up. <sighs> Grief, sadness, mourning, carry on. <laughs> Obviously, that would be a slower process. Or you have that conversation 
and it goes really well. Actually, the other person's really wanted the opportunity to have that conversation with you, which is the thing that happens more often. The other person's just been waiting for the opportunity to have that conversation. And then you can start remedying it and you can fix it and you can uh, improve the relationship and you can move into something that feels healthier and better for you and carry on with your life. Do you see what I mean? So it's the idea of putting things off, which is often about avoiding awkwardness. And if you, I've, if you've seen my posts, hashtag awkward and hashtag awkward part two, I talk about this, you know, our, our discomfort with that sense of awkwardness, that ugh, cringe feeling means we end up delaying and putting off really important things that if we could just tolerate that awkwardness for a couple of minutes, an hour, you know, whatever it might be, would just free you up to do so much more. So I really, really love that passage. And I think if you take away anything, it should be that putting things off is the biggest waste of life. It snatches away each day as it comes and denies us the present by promising the future. All right. So, so on kind of midway through, he says, so 20, page 25 in this version, he says, but we choose, we can choose whose children we would like to be. Right. In fact, let me read that whole section. So he says, we're in the habit of saying that it's not in our power to choose the parents who were allotted to us, that they were given to us by chance but we can choose whose children we would like to be. And so what he's saying is, yeah, right, in real biological terms, in real world terms, we can't choose who our parents are. We can't choose the kind of, yeah, the, the, the lineage, the background, the border, whatever we come from. But we can, with access to education, with access to books, choose who our intellectual parents are. We can choose what kind of school of thought we want to be associated with. We want to choose the way. Hi, Andrea. Um, we want to. We can choose aspects of the way that we think and the way that we live, and that's a really important kind of power to have. You know, to be aware of. Like, I know I can apply my mind and I can apply myself, and I can choose what kind of where I put my brain where I put my mind um where I put my sorry I've been distracted by one of these questions sorry but yes let me know your thoughts on choosing intellectual parents do you feel that sometimes the best way is not to put things off is just to make a decision even if unsure in order to keep going uh yes I absolutely do um and I would say that the idea that you can be sure is an illusion right um I don't think it's possible to really be sure all of the time most of the time certainty is an illusion all right <laughs> but we do an awful lot in our lives to try to convince ourselves that we can be certain that something will definitely work now it will definitely work if we do it at this right time it will definitely work with this person often one of the big panics that people get into is uh, when they're dating and it's like, how will I know if this is the right person? How will I know for sure that this is the one? Um, you, <laughs> the reality is you really, really can't, right? You absolutely can't. There's no way of knowing. Um, we don't have time travel. We can't like flash forward into the future and see whether you're happily married in 50 years time. Like, we can't do that. 
And similarly, you know, because the real anxiety is how do I know this person won't hurt me? How do I know they won't let me down? How do I know they won't cheat on me? You know, whatever the anxiety might be. And you really can't. And but people will kind of prevaricate a lot at the beginning of dating or the beginning of relationships or not even you know when you talk about people having cold feet when they're getting married that's the anxiety how do i know that you know if i tie myself to this person that i'm making the right decision and in reality you can't you know what the only thing you can do and and i guess what we work on in therapy is being able to tolerate uncertainty and building the resilience and that sense of inner confidence that you can cope even if something goes wrong. That's the only thing that you can rely on. You cannot make sure that everything is perfect. You cannot be certain. You can't make everything okay. The only thing you can do is say, whew, I can get comfortable with being uncomfortable. It's not fun. It's not where I want to spend most of my time, but it's kind of reality and I kind of have to just accept reality and kind of jog on <laughs> kind of carry on with my life and I can with the right support of course like build the confidence in myself that I know that even if something goes wrong even if it breaks down even if there's a, a an affair even if you know, da, 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 I it will hurt and I might suffer but I I'll be okay those are the only things that are within our own power to do. And I, I think, again, that's part of the Stoic philosophy as well. It's also part of Buddhist philosophy. It's part of a lot of kind of ancient uh, wisdoms of some kind or other is the idea that nothing is certain. The only thing that is certain is change. Things are always changing. And our job is not to get too attached to the idea of certainty or perfection or things being definite, but to be okay with change and being able to uh, shift and move in relation to those changes as and when they come. So like I've been talking for absolute ages, I hope I answered the question. <laughs> All right, so I've written 26 to 27. So this may be quite a long one. Okay, so this first bit is, but life is very short and anxious for those who forget the past, neglect the present and fear the future. Ooh, that's just deep. I think I just underlined that because that was quite deep. Um, they lose the day in waiting for the night and the night in fearing the dawn. Um, who was he talking about? Hence the lunacy of the poets who encourage human frailty for their stories in which Jupiter, seduced by the pleasures, can the nights which they purchase so dearly not seem much too short? I'm not really sure what I was underlining there. I think for some reason, when I first read that, that really stood out to me. But the next one, I remember very well. And he says, So when you see a man repeatedly wearing the robe of office, or one whose name is often spoken in the forum, do not envy him. These things are won at the cost of life. Now, um, so this is really a discussion about status and the desire for status, the wish for status. Um, and those of us in the UK, it made me think about Boris Johnson. <laughs> I don't think about him very often, we'll be pleased to hear. But you can imagine that uh, 
Boris Johnson is a man who has wanted to be prime minister for the longest time, right? He's like, mm, wants to be prime minister, ready to go, can't wait, has been secretly wishing for it. You know, he's been denying it for years, but we've all known that he's had his eye on this particular prize and has potentially betrayed friends, has potentially, and this is all speculative, um, potentially betrayed himself in some ways in order to keep himself on the track for that status, that position of prestige. And now that he's there, he's not having such a great time, right? And so that was the example that popped into my head when I read this passage. Um, and I'll read it again. So when you see a man repeatedly wearing the robe of office or one whose name is often spoken in the forum, do not envy him. These things were won at the cost of life, right? So the question is, how important is status to you? What does it really mean? What are you actually going to gain from it that is going to add real value to your life? And what are you willing to sacrifice for it? You know, what are you willing to give up? What good things that you have now or that you could have are you willing to sacrifice for the opportunity to have your name in lights or to have people applaud you or have people ask for your autograph? Right. And you, you you see celebrities talk about that all the time. Right. They talk about, yeah, it's great. And, it, you know, I feel very lucky, but I have no peace. I have no freedom. I can't make mistakes. You know, people are on me all the time. And, you know, most of us don't have to deal with that sort of thing. But we all, I think, as humans have this desire for status. We all have a desire for esteem and prestige and wanting people to think very well of us and to think how attractive we are or how clever we are or whatever it might be. And I guess the question is, or the, the caution is to not sacrifice too much of yourself in pursuit of that and to really question, challenge and interrogate how important that is and what you think it will really give you. Because quite often what happens is that if and when you do get there, it's really not as satisfying as you think it would be. Let me quickly read a question. Um, I loved when he spoke about how those who long for status exhaust themselves in the hopes that they will be historically immortalized. Exactly, right? And this is this idea that, sorry, itchy ankle. Um, the idea that, and again, this is a stung about legacy, right? We need. I want to be remembered. I want people to remember who I am. And if we want to get really existential about it, this is about an anxiety about death and will can we live on after our deaths and who will remember us and how important will we be? And again, the idea that we can end up giving up things that are really important, things that are crucial to our well-being, important relationships. You know, the who is it? I think I read I read an article about Danielle Steele, the woman who writes all of those I think I think it was Danielle Steele, one of those really super prolific writers, um, and it was talking about her writing process. And she committed herself, commits I think she's still to writing those books, like hundreds of hours uh, a month. And and I, I think I recall in the article, and I, I won't get done for some sort of slander or something, but you know that actually what she missed out on was a lot of her children growing up and the relationships with her children because she was so committed 
to writing these books. And so maybe on one hand, actually, the thing that gave her purpose was was those books, in which case maybe she that's a sacrifice she was willing to make. Or maybe you miss out on something when the pursuit is for status and recognition at the cost of something else. So I guess that's just a reminder of to always be mindful of what you might be sacrificing in pursuit of recognition. And and again, like to bring it back to a kind of more familiar example, it, we can think about Instagram, right? And there's so many stories that you'll see of influencers who are taking pictures of food that they don't eat or I don't know, like having friendships with people that they don't really like or sacrificing all of their kind of real relationships in the real world in order to make content, in order to be seen in the right places, in order, you know, all these people who I, there was, again, there was another article um, about people who now pretend that they are working with a brand because there's kind of esteem and recognition that comes from working with a brand, right? So so there are influencers out there who get sponsored for their content and they do sponsored posts. And there are a separate group of people who will go out and say, buy all of Max makeup, do a post as if it's sponsored in order for their followers to think that they're sponsored. <laughs> and so there's this kind of mental gymnastics that happens and you think, well, what about if they stopped? Or if they, you know, popped into my office, I'd be thinking, okay, so you spent all of that money and all of that time, all of that energy, all of that creativity to create an illusion for people you've never met, right? And, and it's this sort of thing. And I think in some ways, we all do something like that. Certainly, this is the suggestion, yeah? In some ways, we're all making that kind of exchange. I'm giving up something over here that actually might be quite meaningful in order to have someone tell me how good I am in some way. Um, And I guess it's just about being aware if that's what's happening, being aware if that might be something that you're engaging in um, and maybe reorienting your uh, attention and your focus. Yeah? Okay. Okay. All right, so, yeah, I think maybe that was all I had. I think status for status sake, prestige, acceptance. Um, Yes, I had that same quote, worn out by his lifestyle rather than his labours. So worn out by the external, you know, keeping up with the Joneses and not by the actual work, by the actual content of, of his life. Um, did you guys have any other kind of rounding up thoughts? I know some of you are here, haven't read the book, which is fine. Um, But have you had any thoughts as we've been going along or any questions? Otherwise, I'm happy to wrap this up Um, and have a sip of tea, which has just been, (laughs) it's like brewing, it's so strong, it's so cold. So one final observation, just an observation, which really resonated for someone where he says about if we knew how many years we have left, how would we spend them? Yes, exactly. And that's that idea of meditating on mortality and taking, not taking for granted that you've got forever and ever and ever. Um, 
if you want to head over, there's uh, a woman called uh, Fee Monroe, and she her hashtag is um, I think it's live hashtag live as if you're dying. Um, when she was 30, she was diagnosed with stage four ovarian cancer, and uh, she has a book out called How Long Have I Got? And I think she hadn't asked how long she's got, and she lives her life knowing that she has less time than she thinks she has or less time than she can possibly know she has and therefore she has to make the most of every day which means for her if you read the book it meant quitting one job or leaving one job and pursuing something completely different uh, focusing on spending time with friends and family focusing on going to comedy shows because that's the thing that she loves and the how sad it is really separately from fee story like how sad it is that for so many of us it takes either a question about our own mortality or perhaps losing someone close to us prematurely for us to really connect with the idea that the life we have is important you know not just precious but it's important and it's valuable and that we shouldn't take that for granted we should honor it and we honor it by pursuing a life of purpose And with that, I will thank you all for your very kind attention. I will be back soon with another book club. Thanks for joining me. Super appreciate it. And I will see you guys soon. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.